Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And in today's video, we're gonna take a break from our series on the Gospel of John, and we're gonna explore our vision statement here at Evangel Church. We are a local church in Powell River, British Columbia, and we're gonna take two weeks to kind of explore our vision statement. Uh, we exist to be a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Well, welcome back. Uh, my name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church. Uh, we are a physical location, local church in Powell River, British Columbia. And so if you're visiting us from outside the region, welcome, we're so glad you're here. If you are within the region and you're checking us out, uh, I'd love to invite you to one of our services. We meet every Sunday at 10 o'clock and we'd love to see you there. But I have the distinct displeasure of having something called um, astigmatism which means I can't, I can't really see everything clearly, either far or near. Everything is blurry all the time. So I have to wear uh, glasses all the time or, or contacts. And I didn't actually realize that I had astigmatism until much later in my life. I was about uh, 20, 21, 22 years old when I started getting these headaches and I didn't know why I was getting headaches. And so I went to the doctor and I, I never got headaches before. And I went to the doctor and I started, you were kind of like trying to troubleshoot this thing. And at that time I was in college and so I was reading more than I've ever read in my life. Cause let's face it, in high school, I didn't do a whole lot of reading. Um, but now I was in college, I'm doing a lot more reading and I was getting these headaches and, and the doctor asked, have you ever gone to an optometrist to get your eyes checked? I said, no. So I went to this optometrist and I got my eyes checked and I was diagnosed with the stigmatism of both my eyes. And so I, I'll, I'll never forget, I went through the whole rigmarole and I ordered my glasses and I went to go pick them up. And I remember the very first time I wore glasses, I put my glasses on and I couldn't believe what the world actually looked like. Like, you know how it is, like, kind of your perception of the world is kind of what you think is everybody's perception of the world. And I didn't realize that I was missing out on so much in terms of the clarity of what's out there in the world. And the thing that really got me was when I looked at trees, because before I would look at trees and, you know, like it was kind of like these green blobs, so to speak. But now with my glasses on, I remember driving on the highway and I'm looking at the trees, like going hundred kilometers an hour and I could see the individual leaves. I could see the detail. I could see the contrast between things. And it was almost like my life went into like uh, HD mode and I had been in standard deaf for my whole life. And there's something powerful about clarity. There's something powerful about seeing things clearly and, and, and knowing what's right in front of you. And so today we're gonna dig into our vision statement. Uh, part of the reason that we have a vision statement is something that can help remind us to keep the main things the main things. Now, uh, we have been in a Gospel of John series, as I said before, and we're taking a break from that. So the next few weeks, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of John, and we're going to dig into uh, what are we all about here at Evangel. And what's funny is, is vision can kind of crystallize our future. It can crystallize where we're going. It gives us an, an idea, something to shoot for, a mark to kind of aim at. 
And just like my prescription needs updating, you know, our minds and our hearts and our spirits, they need to be updated. They, they need to be reminded of what the main thing really is because we can get so distracted so quickly. And as we live out this life, often we kind of begin to go off course. And so we really need to just from time to time, just get back on the same page where we're keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, also, there may be many of you who are, are new with us, and so you don't know what our vision statement is. You don't know kind of what we're all about in a big picture kind of way. And so we're so glad that you're here as well. And so we're going to dig in, and I hope this gives you some insight into what you may hear us say or you see in our beginning of our videos and the ends of our videos every week. And it gives you a little more of an understanding of where we're coming from in terms of this vision that we have at Evangel Church. So you may hear this statement over and over again. Evangel Church exists to be a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Um, the first thing you must notice is this statement's not a static one. You, you need to realize that this statement is a progression. There's, there's a bit of a spectrum encapsulated in this statement. A healthy church is one that consists of those exploring faith, the skeptics, the broken, as well as the believers alike. That, that's what a healthy body and church looks like. And if we're honest, there are some days where we kind of feel like we could tick all those boxes, even if we are believers. There's always doubt that creeps in. There's always moments of weakness. And, and so uh, we, we have to be a safe place in community where we can live this faith journey out. But it also kind of demands that we define what we mean when we say the word church. You know, this pursuit is, is one that guides the gathering of the church, uh, but also the scattering of the church. So when we talk about church, we're talking about the gathering of those that believe in Christ Jesus as the core. But the reality is we also want to be a place to gather those that are exploring faith and give opportunity and facilitate a safe place for those exploring faith to really um, begin to dig into who is Jesus and what is the Bible and what are the teachings of Christianity. And so it's, it's at its core, the church, the ecclesia in the Greek, is those who believe, those who have come together in belief in Jesus. That is the church. Um, but there's this secondary function of the church of being a safe place for those exploring to really uh, be able to have opportunity to hear the gospel, to to. to Witness and see people modeling out this life of um, Christianity. But it's not just the gathering. It's also the scattering. It also speaks to the scattering of the church. And we believe that this vision, if, if we adopt this in our individual lives, as well as our corporate community lives, it has a place in both. And so we're going to kind of explore that a little bit. So... We're going to realign our hearts and our minds around the clarity of this vision for the next couple weeks. But before we start, I want to give you a brief history of where this came from. This is not something that was uh, developed by uh, Pastor Lisa and I. Uh, if you are new with us, Pastor Lisa and I are married. Uh, we are husband and wife. We co-lead Evangel Church here in Powell River. And uh, so sometimes people will see a vision statement like this. And because we're kind of at the front, always kind of you know, being the champions of the vision... 
uh, there can be this misconception that it was us, we went away and we kind of came down from Mount Sinai, so to speak, and brought this vision. That's not the way that we came to this conclusion about who we are and where we're going as a church. This was done in consultation with our board and with a team of people that brought insight and prayer and time and discussion, and we wrestled it to the ground. And so this is, this is months and months and months of discerning and praying and, and communicating with a team of people that are trusted uh, both by us and by this congregation. And so that's where this thing came from. So let's begin to explore kind of the opening statement, so to speak, of our vision statement, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. Now, if you're taking notes, I would love for you to write this down, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And I want you to underline three kind of key words here. I want you to underline safe, everyone, and Jesus. Safe, everyone, and Jesus. And we're gonna explore kind of those three words today as we kind of explore this vision statement. So why safety? Well, I want you to consider the moniker that Jesus was given. Now, it's kind of funny because when Jesus was given this moniker, it was a bit of a slight on him by the religious rulers, but it actually, it's come to become like such a, uh, a moniker, a statement of grace and love and mercy. But what was Jesus called throughout his ministry? He was called friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. Jesus' ministry stood in such contrast to the rabbis and spiritual leaders of the day that, that he was judged as a sinner. Now, the religious rulers in the first century, they made a point not to be associated to anyone that was considered or perceived as a sinner or an unbeliever in their day and in their culture. This was the point. You know, in, in fact, the goal was to broaden the social gap between them and those who are considered unbelievers. Now Jesus enters the scene and, and he begins to minister in the synagogues among the religious elite and those that were believers and those that were following the law and coming alongside. But then during the week, he closed the social gap between those that were broken and considered sinners and unbelievers. He closed the social gap and he reached out to them and spent time with them. Um, and so here we have this moniker that Jesus wore proudly, Jesus, friend of sinners. Now, I love this account um, that's found. It's found in Mark, Luke, and Matthew, but we're going to look at Luke's telling of it in Luke 5, 27 to 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. So Levi was also, is also Matthew. Uh, so those names are going to be interchangeable. Matthew is Levi. They're the same person uh, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, notice the oxymoron here, because if you know the scriptures, 
You know that um, there are no righteous. No, not one, right? There are no righteous in the eyes of God. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, last week, uh, Lisa, she alluded to this reality. You know, have you noticed that often uh, <laughs> the, the church uh, is like this collection of the most broken people? You know, uh, there, there is kind of this dynamic that the church and believers and those that come and gather together are often broken people on this kind of road of recovery and being built up again in Christ. Now, now why is that? It, it's because those who realize that they are sick, broken, and sinful look for a savior. So the church is full of recovering sick people because they experience the relational safety, freedom, and forgiveness found in Jesus. Right? Mercy and grace gives us an environment where we can be confronted by our sin and still have hope. It's in this safety that forgiveness and love is extended to us. I notice the religious rulers, though. Those that think that they have it all together are not looking for a savior. And so there's this contrast in this moment. We're creating safe places for those who are so well aware that they are broken and that they are in need of something and someone, and they just don't know who or what. Our role is to create safe places for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. Now, this moment in the Gospels is one of many where Jesus extends relationship to those who otherwise would have been overlooked. You know, the woman at the well, the lepers, uh, the Roman commander who, who was the oppressor. He was the enemy, and yet Jesus served him through a miracle. The blind and lame begging for provision, the woman caught in adultery. So my question is, how do we become like Jesus in this respect? Remember, I said this vision is pursued both organizationally and relationally. We, we have an expectation that those exploring faith in Jesus will be welcomed and not judged at the doors of our church. That is, that is like our goal. That is what we uphold. If you are exploring faith and, and you receive judgment, um, we are so sorry from the church as, as a whole. And we exist to be a safe place for you to come and explore faith in Jesus. Now, I remember I said this vision is pursued both organizationally and relationally. Um, you know, did you know that the biblical judgment um, of those not yet in Christ is reserved for God alone? Our, our biblical understanding of judgment in that regard of those who are unbelievers, those who are exploring faith, not yet submitted to Jesus, uh, we have no right to judge. And that's not our role. It's not our role to judge. That's God's role. And that judgment, as we learned a few weeks ago, has been deferred. It's been deferred. And there's a season of grace and mercy extended to every single human being. But we aspire to be a community of faith that welcomes everyone to explore what it is to have a vibrant, purposeful, and loving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But it's also something we need to expect from ourselves in every facet of our lives. Creating safe places relationally as Jesus did, right? Jesus was in the synagogues on, on the Sabbath, but then he was in the day-to-day -day with people. And he was in it so much so with broken people that he received this moniker, friend of sinners. This should be the aspiration for ourselves and our homes and our families. Now, now I do want to touch on what this does not mean. Right? Because sometimes we can get a little bit carried away with the way that we walk this out. Now, there is, there is a kind of thought out there that Jesus' involvement with tax collectors, prostitutes, and the broken 
is a reason to apply that Jesus kind of partied with them. And in doing so, he, he diminished their sin and their brokenness. And that's not the reality. In fact, the opposite is true. Jesus walked in character and integrity. And through that contrast, through the contrast of him living out a holy life in the midst of brokenness, there were many who all of a sudden their eyes were lifted up out of the routine and the things of their life. And they see this man and he's carrying kind of a different way about him. And they were intrigued by his way and his teachings and what he had to say about life. And so Jesus, in fact, uh, he stood in such contrast, both to the religious leaders, but he stood in contrast to the sinners and the broken around him that it sparked conversation and it sparked opportunity for him to share this good news. I've seen too many people justify their lifestyle of sin as, as making inroads to those that are far from God. Uh, that's not what Jesus did, and that's not what we're called to either. You know, safe places are safe because they are secure and they're consistent. Jesus' life was secure and consistent. So uh, he invites into a better way of life, a better way of living, because he lived it out in a consistent and safe manner. And that's what created safe places around him. A safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. Now, I had asked you to underline the second word, everyone. And so what do we mean by everyone? Well, remember, our role as a church is to reveal Jesus to the world. At Evangel Church, we do not have any expectations that those who do not have a relationship with Jesus would live like saints. We don't have an expectation that if you don't know Christ, and you haven't been walking in a maturing relationship with God, that you would have, that you would live the way that uh, we feel called to live. And so we have no expectation on you. Come as you are. And if you're exploring faith with us, you're part of the reason we exist. And we're so glad that you're with us. Come with your doubts, your skepticisms, and your questions. And we have, you know, we've all been there. Now, my, my social life is an interesting journey, uh, whether it be meeting people, you know, while at motorcycle meetups or uh, at the gym or wherever I might meet people in the community or around. Uh, there, there's always this sort of point where people uh, ask the question, you know, what do you do for a living? And I have to tell them, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor and I, and I hate telling people that I'm a pastor because the moment I say it, the dynamic of the relationship changes and shifts. Now, there are kind of two ways that it most commonly changes and shifts. It's very rarely that I'm uh, talking with someone who is uh, not a believer, uh, they find out I'm a pastor, and they just keep on going like nothing happened. Um, I wish that would happen more because uh, it's just so weird. <laughs> I just, I'm a normal person. Um, but, uh, but there's usually kind of two things that happen. You know, for instance, I had a neighbor that just moved into the neighborhood and I was outside with my car and, and uh, they came down and began chatting. We had a great conversation, super friendly and just, just a great conversation. There was invitations made and let's get together for a barbecue and, and all the things, right? That just, you know, typical neighbors do. And then kind of near to the end of the conversation, uh, she asked me, you know, what brought you to Powell River? And I said, well, actually we... We were, uh, came here to pastor a church. 
oh yeah, what what church? And but in that moment, things kind of shifted. And it's funny because since then, uh, there's been no communication, no nothing, nothing. And it's kind of just this weird dynamic where people don't know what to do with me the moment they find out that I'm a pastor. Now, the second kind of thing, and I have another little story. I was, uh, I had a friend reach out to me from Comox and they needed someone to go to someone locally here to kind of look at some stuff that they wanted to purchase on Swap and Shop. And so I went to this individual's house and, uh, kind of did the thing, right? Did the business, walked through, I had my FaceTime out, so I was showing my friend like what he was looking at and we kind of had this like kind of conversation. And then near the, to the end, um, the guy that was selling, I hung up with a friend and he asked, you know, what, what brought you to Powell River? And I said, well, I've pastored a church. All of a sudden the conversation shifted, but it shifted into like, um, like this person, like, you know, like just in the, the way that they talk, use a lot of language and a lot of stuff. And all of a sudden, like, that all disappeared <laughs> and and now we started talking about like spiritual things it was such a it was such a shift now that was like probably my more favorite outcome in terms of what happens when people find out that I'm a pastor but in that moment you know things kind of shifted to be more meaningful and spiritual and a whole lot deeper now now, why do I tell that story? Well, Paul, Paul writes in Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You know, your role is to simply live out your convictions, just to live out your convictions, um, not to mandate your convictions on another. That, that's not your role. That was never the way of Christ. Christ was always inv invitational. He invited you into a better way. He didn't demand it from you. And there, there's something, your, your life is going to repel some. That's been my experience. It's going to repel some. They just don't want to deal with you or deal with what you believe. It's not about you. Don't take it personal. It's about Christ. It's about uh, what you believe and what you proclaim to be true. Um, and then there's others where all of a sudden in that safety, they, they're going to open up about deeper things, more spiritual things. And this place, this place here, Evangel Church, it's a place of discovery and revelation for the believer and the unbeliever alike. Everyone means everyone. This, this matters because one of the first revelations that leads us to Jesus is a revelation of our profound sinfulness. And I would hope that those in this place, as, 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 they are, as their sin is revealed to them, that they would feel at home and safe and supported by those around them that would seek to walk out this journey of faith with them. Because it, it can be hard in, in, a, in an alone kind of way to, be, uh, to, to have a mirror held up to your worst moments and your worst parts and your worst things. And there's a safety in community as we come alongside and say, you know what, that's okay. Jesus is big enough to forgive even that. And there's something powerful about that. Now, here's where we need to narrow the focus. Now, if you were underlining, the third word that I asked you to underline was Jesus. Jesus, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in <laughs> Jesus. Now, before someone accuses us of being a part of, uh, you know, a safe places movement, 
that preaches a gospel of tolerance. Let, let me be very, very clear here. Our pursuit is not simply a pursuit of faith, but rather a faith in Jesus Christ, God's only son. Our pursuit is very, very narrow. We, we create and facilitate safe places, both organizationally and relationally for this singular pursuit. He is our singular focus. A safe place for everyone, everyone, okay, to explore faith in Jesus. That's why scripture calls him the narrow way, the one and only way. You know, Jesus is recorded by John the Apostle in John 14, 6, saying, uh, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's the deal. The moment that I make that claim, there's a level of safety that I have removed from some people. In fact, the exclusivity and narrow way of Christianity is a stumbling block to many. That's kind of the way the scriptures say it. Uh, today, we might say it, it's triggering. It's triggering. However, our role in creating safe places only goes so far. We don't change the truth in order to make safe places. The truth always trumps the safe places. And so we narrow our focus. This is about faith in Jesus. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says at Life Church. Uh, one of their value statements is, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. And, you know, what he means by that is we don't marry the method, but we do marry the message. So we, the method can change. The method can be creative. The method can be all sorts of different things and ways and approaches but the message always has to stay the same because that doesn't change. Truth doesn't change. And the moment we change the message of the gospel, we're walking in sin. So our focus, it remains steadfast in terms of the message of the gospel. Christ alone, him crucified, resurrected, and exalted. I've had people tell me, you know, Lucas, I like you. I just don't like what you believe. Um... At the end of the day, that's the best that we can do. That's the best that we can do. Live peaceably as much as it depends on us. Live peaceably with everyone while still presenting this gospel through the way we live and the way we speak. And as we contrast in the world around us, there are moments where we will, we will have to give a telling of why we do what we do and believe what we believe. And those are opportunities for the Spirit to use us. But... We create safe places, but not at the expense of the message. The message is and always will be Jesus, Christ Jesus, the narrow way, the one and only way to the Father and to eternal life. So that is the opening of our vision statement. Next week, we're going to jump into uh, the rest of it. But let's just take a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you for this community of faith. I thank you, Lord, that I see so much of this already being lived out. So much of this, so, so many mature uh, believers that um, just take advantage of bringing this message with whatever methods they are, but Lord, that they've stayed so true to this message of the gospel of Christ and that they've created safe places both within this 
the four walls of this church within this kind of online community, but also in the community in which they live. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live like you did, Christ. Lord, you, you close the gap socially between the unbeliever and yourself. And Lord, you call us to do the same while still maintaining this message, this, this uh, way of uh, knowing life through Jesus Christ. So Lord, would you give us wisdom in doing all of that? And we pray for the future of Evangel Church. Now, Lord, you would continue to uh, entrust us with those exploring faith that we might continue to create safe places for them to explore and um, that Jesus, you would be lifted up and that the revelation of who you are um, would hit home more and more and more in the days to come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Well, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Uh, just stay tuned just for a moment. Uh, Pastor Marcus just has a few announcements for us in the life of Evangel Church. Well, hey friends, we just have a couple announcements for you this weekend. The first one is, if you wanna get involved with creating a safe place for kids in our community to have fun at Halloween, to get some candy, but to also kind of have some exposure to what we do here at Evangel, uh, we would love for you to volunteer and partner with us. One of the things that we need is candy. Uh, so whether that's like those chocolate bars, whether that's some gummy candy, uh, even whether you're at the dollar store and you find some like cool pencils or cool erasers or cool supplies, uh, we would love if you could just pick one of those up when you're at the grocery store, uh, bring them to the office here so that we can eventually make bags uh, for kids to experience Halloween safely here in our parking lot. So we would love your help with that uh, over this next couple of months. Another one that we have a really exciting announcement for is that we are offering a next step for you. Uh, so sometimes when we come to church, it can be hard to know like, you know, how has God created me to be? Where's my fit here? And how does that all work together also outside of the walls of this church? Well, we have a really exciting new opportunity for you to jump into GrowTrack. GrowTrack is designed for you to discover your own design, to find your fit, both here in our church and kind of in the world uh, in which you live, and for you to kind of take that next step. So we're doing Grow Track at the end of the month. Every last Sunday of the month, uh, we will be doing Grow Track right after service. If you're wanting to kind of discover how God created you, and if you're wanting to get involved here at Evangel by serving, uh, this is for you. And so we would invite you to that. Uh, the first one is happening at the end of this month, September 26th, and so we hope to see you there. And then finally, if uh, you want to support the everyday ministry that we do here at Evangel, one of the ways that you can do that is through your giving. And so if you want to learn more about how to give uh, and how to support the ministries that we do here every day, visit myevangel.church forward slash give, and it will give you all the information you need to do that. Thanks friends so much for joining us. We hope to see you again next week.